Preface and Chapters 1 through 3 of A Memoir on the Life and Character of the Reverend Prince Demetrius A. de Galitzin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Memoir on the Life and Character of the Reverend Prince Demetrius A. de Galitzin by thomas hyden preface the author of this sketch who for almost a quarter of a century had been bound by the closest bonds of amity with the reverend prince has been frequently urged by respected friends to compose and publish a notice of his life the reason of this application to him doubtless was the well-known fact of the great friendship between the parties the circumstances of his having assisted at his dying moments, his having twice preached his funeral sermon, namely, first on the day of his interment, again on the removal of his remains to the new monument, his having lectured several times on his life and services, besides his being well acquainted with the history of Loreto and its large congregation the writer could not resist any longer the many appeals made to him to give to the public all the reminiscences he had of his lamented friend moreover he became alarmed lest many traits of his life would quickly be forgotten and perish if not at once secured and perpetuated by the press if this labor of love was not attended to presently it was said that the few remaining contemporaries of the reverend prince galitzin would soon sink into the tomb and thus much important material for his life would be lost forever in truth an english narrative of his career should have been published twenty years ago when all the old families and prominent first settlers of his parish were still living and when all the traditions and minute circumstances of his missionary toils were fresh in the memories of all though late in performing this office of friendship the writer has at last entered upon this pleasing task of gathering up the fragments lest they be lost his hope is that this humble very imperfect sketch will be suggestive may be the means of awakening public attention to the merits of this extraordinary man and raise up some more competent biographer who will do justice to his memory divine inspiration tells us not to praise a man during his life as if it were said says st augustine praise him after life glorify him at the end of his career because then praise is more usefully bestowed when the praiser cannot be influenced by a motive of flattery and the praised cannot be tempted to elation of heart bedford pennsylvania august eighteen sixty nine chapter one how interesting his life his ancestors prince demetrius we are so constituted by nature that we are forced to admire and extol any arduous perilous project commenced and carried on to completion out of the ordinary course of mortals beyond what the common run would attempt the discovery of america by the wonderful man of genoa christopher columbus 
the achievement of american independence by george washington astonish us by the boldness and successful issue of the work consummated by these almost inspired men we are not or we ought not to be less moved when we pass from the contemplation of heroism in the worldly to that of the moral and religious order by the labors of the patriot the chains that bind the body fall but by the toils of the spiritual liberator those that fetter the immortal soul are broken and if we are to measure the magnitude of events by their results those effected by the heroes of faith infinitely surpass all that has been accomplished by the demigods of fame the deeds of a francis xavier or of a vincent de paul can compete with those of the most renowned in secular annals however little we may be given to enthusiasm or to the marvelous yet we shall be obliged to acknowledge that in the life and career of reverend prince demetrius augustine de galitzin there is food for the most romantically inclined mind for even the most enthusiastic readers of oriental tales here we have had in our midst in western pennsylvania as priest as missionary and founder of a vast catholic colony a prince of almost fabulous high descent an heir of a long line of princes generals heroes a scion of the noblest proudest house in europe his ancestors being among the most renowned in russian story abandoning all that is great and dazzling in the estimation of men for the humble missionary's obscurity and privations on the top of a wild mountain without the slightest hope or prospect of any reward except in the place of rewards i feel and own my entire inadequacy to the task of doing justice to the services and sacrifices of this great ornament of our american church but there is one thing that consoles and emboldens me the facts of his beautiful career need no eloquence no embellishment they speak for themselves they go direct to our hearts when we are reviewing the lives of great men we naturally wish to inquire into the sources and origin of their greatness and the first thought that engages our attention is the question who were their progenitors whence their training who their educators it is thus we go up to the wellspring of all their glorious doings and darings the galitzin family according to the researches of a late writer derives its origin from gedemine a lithuanian prince and can claim as branches and descendants rulers in poland hungary and bohemia some are known in history as distinguished statesmen some were counsellors of peter the great others ambassadors at foreign courts and even reformers and civilizers of russian arbitrary manners and institutions it was the prince galitzin that defeated utterly the redoubtable charles the twelfth of sweden on the celebrated battlefield of pultova but we are more interested in the immediate connections the parents of the missionary prince and pioneer of the alleghanies his father prince demetrius 
was russian ambassador at the courts of france and the netherlands chamberlain and privy councillor for the celebrated catherine the second empress of russia he became unfortunately the friend of voltaire and diderot and for aught we know died as he had lived a disciple of that atheistic school these infidel philosophers during his fourteen years residence at paris flattered his vanity by praising him for the interest he took in science during his long stay in the french capital he made important collections of curiosities and antiquities to enrich the gallery of Tsarescocello, an imperial palace five leagues from st petersburg the favorite summer resort of the emperor chapter two his mother princess amelia it is therefore to the other side of the house that we have to look for the religious and useful training of our galitzin we all know that the mother if enlightened and every way accomplished has the larger share in moulding the future character of children for usefulness or fame we are naturally prone to trace their success or failure on the world stage to judicious or defective parental training when we recognize the impress of a great man in his writings or actions we instinctively ask who were his parents what did they do for him who does not without feeling the most thrilling interest hear or read any account of laetitia the mother of napoleon the first or of martha the mother of washington the mother of the subject of this memoir was born countess de schmetten daughter of one of the heroes of frederick the great field marshal count de schmetten and of the countess of rufford her two brothers were distinguished officers in the russian service one of them fell in the battle of zena we are in part indebted for the following account of princess amelia mother of our galitzin to a widely circulated work which being from a protestant pen i prefer quoting on this occasion this lady born at berlin in prussia august twenty eighth seventeen forty eight was remarkable for her literary culture her grace and amiable disposition her sympathetic relations with scholars and poets but above all her ardent piety which found its most congenial element in the mystic and venerable sanctities of roman catholicism she took up her residence at the city of munster in westphalia where she gathered around her a circle of learned companions she largely contributed to the conversion of de stolberg to roman catholicism and called forth that great movement which for a considerable period characterized many circles of german society at the age of four years she was placed for her education at a boarding school in breslau the capital of silesia on the river oder here she remained until she attained her ninth year she had been brought up a catholic from childhood she was distinguished not only for the beauty of her person but also for her piety and her edifying frequentation of the sacrament of penance to the reception of which she would often bring such deep-felt contrition as to be dissolved into tears on one occasion as she passed through the church to the confessional 
she was greeted by the voice of flattery, which ever since the first flatterer in paradise seldom fails to produce evil. She overheard someone remark, What an angel! Words which had upon her future conduct the most pernicious influence. She became a victim of pride and vanity. She had also subsequently the misfortune to fall into the hands of an infidel teacher who left nothing untried to give her mind an irreligious bias. Her matrimonial alliance with Prince Demetrius Galitzin contributed still more to expose her to the meshes of infidelity. The philosopher Diderot, her husband's bosom friend, endeavored very much to win the princess over to his atheistical system, but though she was more than indifferent on the momentous subject of religion, her naturally strong mind discovered the hollowness of his reasoning. It was remarked that she would frequently puzzle the infidel philosopher by the little interrogative, why? And as he could not satisfy her objections, she was determined thoroughly to examine the grounds of revelation. Though having but a slim share of religion herself, she was determined to instruct her children in some creed. She opened the Bible merely for the purpose of teaching her children the historical portion of it. The beauty of revealed truth, notwithstanding the impediments of indifference and unbelief which it found in her, would sometimes strike her her mind being of that mold which, according to Tertullian, is naturally Christian. It was not, however, until 1783 that she began seriously to think of religion at Munster in Westphalia, whither she had gone to profit by the learning and piety of de Furstenberg, a celebrated patron of education, and that she might superintend more effectively the education of her children. Whilst here she was attacked by a most alarming sickness which threatened her life, her friend, de Furstenberg, sent her his confessor, Reverend Dr. Overberg, to speak to her on the subject of religion. Though no decisive consequence immediately followed, still an impression was made which, in due time, God was to develop. She recovered from her malady, and during three years... Religion was her great and only affair of study. It pleased God to open her eyes to the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith in 1786 through the instrumentality of de Furstenberg and Overberg, both renowned in Germany for their efforts in the cause of religion and learning. It was this year she made her first communion on the feast of St. Augustine, toward whom she had a special devotion. It is to the happy influence and bright example of his mother, to whom, under God, we must mainly ascribe the conversion of young Demetrius. As the illustrious Bishop of Milan, St. Ambrose, consoled the mother of Augustine when he used to say to the weeping Monica that it was impossible for a son to be lost for whom so many tears were shed so we may believe that the pious de Furstenberg cheered, in a similar manner, this good lady in her intense solicitude for the spiritual welfare of a son whom she so tenderly loved. Chapter 3 
His birth, education. The Reverend Prince Demetrius Augustine de Galitzin was born the 22nd of December, 1770, at The Hague in Holland, where his father, Prince Demetrius, was ambassador of Russia at that time. He was decorated with military titles from his very birth, it being the privilege of ambassadors that their children should be considered citizens of the country which they represent abroad, no matter where born, the reverend prince always professed himself a Russian, though he evinced strong propensities towards Germany, and gave the name of Münster to one of the towns on the mountain in honor of the German city of this name, where his good mother so long resided, and not, as some erroneously think, on account of Munster, a province of Ireland. When the young prince and heir of the great Galitzin house first saw the light, what brilliant hopes, what magnificent speculations were entertained by the jubilant parents as to the future of the newborn babe. The ambitious father, no doubt, thought that he had now secured a vessel of election to carry out his worldly aspirations an heir who was to perpetuate his name and fame and the honor of his house. But how conflicting are often man's ways with those of heaven! How opposite to the plans of God were those of this carnal-minded father, as we shall see in the beautiful life of his son. Born and bred in the schismatical Greek church, and subsequently a disbeliever in Revelation, in one of his early works, he thus alludes to his religious difficulties and his final escape from the snares of infidelity in his younger days. I lived during fifteen years in a Catholic country under a Catholic government where both the spiritual and temporal power were united in the same person. The reigning prince in that country was our archbishop. During a great part of that time, I was not a member of the Catholic Church. An intimacy which existed between our family and a certain celebrated French philosopher had produced a contempt for religion. Raised in prejudice against revelation, I felt every disposition to ridicule those very principles and practices which I have adopted since. I only mention this circumstance to convince you that my observations at that time, being those of an enemy, and not of a bigoted member of the Catholic Church, are in the eyes of a Protestant the more entitled to credit. And from the same motive, I shall also add, that during those unfortunate years of my infidelity, particular care was taken not to permit any clergyman to come near me. Thanks to the God of infinite mercy, the clouds of infidelity were dispersed and revelation adopted in our family. I soon felt the necessity of investigating the different religious systems in order to find the true one. Although I was born a member of the Greek church, and although all my male relations were either Greeks or Protestants, yet did I resolve to embrace that religion only which, upon impartial inquiry, should appear to me to be the pure religion of Jesus Christ. My choice fell upon the Catholic Church, and at the age of about seventeen, I became a member of that church. 
with regard to his early education it must have been most felicitous and extraordinary and in proof of this i have only to mention that it was under the guidance of prince amelia his enlightened mother then standing in the front rank of the most literary lady celebrities in germany in her retirement at munster then famed for its learned circles this incomparable woman devotes herself to the education of her two children maria anna afterwards princess de zalm and prince demetrius the future humble missionary of western pennsylvania the choicest spirits of the age contributed to the literary culture and training of the young galitzin hemsterhuis hamar jacobi goethe the renowned poet formed a part of the learned court which his mother attracted around her during her sojourn in the city of munster remarkable herself for mental acumen and high attainments in belletre she undertook and most happily carried on the primary and most important department of the education of her children she availed herself of all the educational lights and facilities of the time the best schools of munster and the hague were brought into requisition by her to promote the advancement of her son in polite letters nor was his religious education entirely neglected in his secular course under the wise direction of baron de furstenberg grand vicar and premier of the prince bishop of munster and of rev dr overberg her confessor celebrated for his zeal in promoting the cause of education and founding schools the princess amelia prosecuted most earnestly the two principal objects she had in view namely her own and her children's sanctification together with their thorough intellectual training end of chapter three